Hey, girlfriends, Danielle Bean here. This week, my family and I are on vacation, and so we are taking a bit of a break here on Girlfriends, bringing you a rerun of one of our most popular episodes ever, What Are You Keeping From God? When this first aired last year, I heard from many of you who said it was just the nudge that you needed to examine some of the ways in which we're all tempted sometimes to hold back from giving God our whole selves and our whole lives. The truth is, I recorded it in the first place because I needed exactly that kind of nudge myself. So as it goes so often here on Girlfriends, I record what I need to hear. So hoping that it's what you need to hear this week. I hope it's helpful to you. And I also hope you are managing to enjoy some downtime as well, these beautiful days of summer. I'll be back next week with an all new show for you. But in the meantime, God bless you and your family. Girlfriends, episode number 142. What are you keeping from God? Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about how God has a right to everything you have, everything you are, and some of the ways that we might be falling short of that tall order. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Welcome to another show. Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm always so glad when you can join me here I am actually recording, this is taking me back. Those of you who've listened for a little while know I used to record the podcasts when um, my son and then when my daughter was in driver's ed because driver's ed is the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst drive around schedule there is, at least the driver's ed that's available to my kids around here. So when they sign up, it's on Sundays and they have to be there, which is about 20 minutes from the house, 1.30 to 3.30 for driving. And then again, six o'clock to eight o'clock for their actual class. And this is every Sunday for like three and a half months. Kills me. I've done my fair share of complaining about driver's ed here on the podcast in the past, but I did discover that it can be kind of handy when I drop a kid off and I have to be right back there in a couple of hours to find a quiet spot and record a podcast. So you guys get to benefit. I get to benefit from driver's ed, which is drudgery. Anyway, it's bringing me back, <laughs> but this time it's Steven, who's my 17-year-old, who's taking driver's ed. And um, I'm glad he is though, because we are missing having drivers in the house with my big kids off at school and whatnot. Only Dan and I are, are the ones who are driving everybody around. And um, that's hard. <laughs> I realize I've been spoiled by having big kid drivers in the house pitching in to get everybody where they belong. So anyway, all is well. I'll spare you any few, any more complaints about driver's ed because it's all a positive thing. It's a good thing. But this week we're talking about what are you keeping from God? And of course, that's silly. You can't keep anything from God, right? You can't hide anything from him. But um, I wanted to talk about this topic because it's been on my mind recently. I've been thinking about some of the things in my life that I might be holding back from giving all, trusting all, turning over all to God. It's human. It's normal to do these things, but it's not 
what God's plan is for you or for me. So I want to challenge you to join me on this little kind of um, self-examination this week, thinking about what things we might be keeping from God. And, you know, when I do my You're Worth It retreats, um, those are the retreats that I do. It's a half-day retreat that's specifically designed for women based on the themes of my book, You're Worth It, Change How You Feel About Yourself by Discovering How Jesus Feels About You. And it's all about that personal relationship with Jesus that we're meant to have. And one of the themes in there that I talk about inside of that You're Worth It retreat is from um, from the gospel passages of Jesus's interactions with women is that he's asking for everything. He wants us to give all. And time and again, he rewards and he praises women who give all to him. And of course, men are called to do the same. Um, but of course, my retreat is designed especially for women. So we're really looking at women in the gospel passages. But, you know, that that all-encompassing kind of love that Jesus has for us, he's looking for it to be reciprocated because he's a human being and he wants a human real relationship with you. And he's not going to be a bully and he's not going to be a jerk and he's not going to force you to love him, but that's what he's longing for. And of course, Jesus went first, right? He gave all first for us out of love for us, first of all, becoming a human being and coming down to earth and then suffering his passion and his death and then going through his uh, resurrection all for the love of us and then instituting the Eucharist because he loves us so much and he wants to continue to give his whole self to us. I always tell people, if you're ever doubting Jesus's love for you personally, the deepness of it, the the wholeness of it, the all-in aspect of Jesus's love. Look at a crucifix. You cannot deny that love, that tangible love that's there right before your eyes on the crucifix. He's giving his whole self, dying and bleeding on the cross for love of you, for love of me, not for love of some faceless, nameless throng of humanity, but in an individual and personal way for each one of us. That means you, that means me, that means your husband, that means your kids, for that personal love that he has for each of us. And it's it's hard for us to even imagine that that's what he's asking back from us. And of course, we're never going to do it perfectly on this side of heaven, but we are called to do it, and we're called to work on the ways in which we might be failing to give all to God, the ways in which we might be failing to reciprocate that kind of love, the complete gift of self that Jesus gives us that he's asking from us in return. Now, one of the gospel passages that I share in the Your Worth It retreat that I want to share with you here today, because it it completely relates to this whole concept of giving all and pouring out all for love of Jesus is in Matthew chapter 26. I'm just going to read a short passage here about the woman who anointed Jesus with oil. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at table. But when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. 
for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Now, I love this passage, and there happened to be two different passages, which I didn't know before I wrote You're Worth It and was doing the research for that book. There are two separate passages of women who anoint Jesus in the Gospels, and they're both very similar, and we're not sure who these women are. It's believed that one of them is Mary, the um, sister of Martha, who loved Jesus so much when she was sitting at his feet while Martha was busy with pots and pans back in the kitchen. Um, but the other, we don't know, except we know that she was a sinner and that she was, you know, going to Jesus in a very sorrowful, contrite way and that he forgives her of all of her sins. But in both of those passages, the, the woman who is anointing Jesus is loving him, kissing him, anointing him. And at least in one of them, she's crying onto his feet, tears kissing his feet. This was the gospel passage from just a couple of weeks ago, right? And drying them with her hair. So deeply personal and intimate. And in both cases, Jesus praises the woman for what she's done, even though others might not understand it. In the one where the, the sinful woman is kissing his feet and wiping his feet with her hair and crying her tears on his feet, the, the rich man who was there said he must not know what kind of woman this is because he wouldn't let her touch him. And yet Jesus corrects that understanding, praising her for the fact that she has anointed him and treated him with love, which is what he's looking for from each of us. So in both of those passages, we see a woman, and we've talked about this before, when we're reading the gospel, we are really truly meant to place ourselves inside of the Gospels. We're meant to. We're meant to see where our place would be. And in each of these, we can play that role of the woman who is loving Jesus, who is pouring out sorrow, perhaps all of her tears, onto Jesus and anointing him with oil. And what really stands out to me in the passage that I just read from Matthew 26 is that it's an alabaster flask. And when I was researching um, for my book, You're Worth It, I realized something that I hadn't read before was the fact that a flask like this, an alabaster, alabaster flask, and sometimes it's called a jar, that it's you'd keep an expensive ointment in it. And it was the kind of jar that you couldn't just open up and take some out and then seal it up and save the rest for later. In order to get it out, you needed to break it. You need to break it open and use it all at once, pour it all out. And I think that's such a beautiful image for the way we're meant to love Jesus, the kind of love that he's looking for in reciprocation for the kind of love that he gives us, which is that kind of love, a breaking open, holding nothing back kind of love. But then in thinking about that alabaster flask or alabaster jar that needs to be broken open... I feel challenged because I try to think of in what areas of my life am I perhaps not wanting to break open the jar and turn it all over to Jesus, not wanting to trust Jesus completely? What areas of my life am I holding back 
in. And that's what I want to join. I want you to join me in kind of that reflection this week, talking about what are we keeping from God because we're all keeping things from God or thinking we are or trying to, struggling with. And um, I'm going to talk about a few common ones here today, but they, you know, the ones I talk about might not be yours. I, I want you to give some thought to this and, and maybe spend some time in prayer thinking about what are you keeping from God? What are you holding back from Jesus? What's your precious What's your alabaster jar that you don't want to break, that you can't bring yourself to break and pour out for love of Jesus? So hard, some areas of our life, especially, it's so hard to do this. So the first one I want to talk about, and this is actually what inspired me to talk about this this week, is our time. I realized how much I was, and I do this, this is me, this is something I struggle with, my precious time. I can be so selfish about my precious time. And I'm a busy person. I have goals. I like to be productive. And I guess that's part of the problem, maybe, that I have these goals. And sometimes I'll let those goals and the things that I want to accomplish, whether it's housework or um, work work or anything, you know, along those lines, I can let those goals kind of become more important than um, what God might be planning for me. Um, I discovered this, especially this past weekend on Saturday, um, I had my list. Okay. So during the week I have my, my lists, which are, you know, generally work related and, um, you know, just the basic stuff of there's, there's school going on with the kids and that kind of thing. Um, but then weekends are different, right? Because then you, your time opens up a little bit or it's open in different ways and you don't have the same obligations for, you know, school and whatnot. And I don't have the obligations that I have through my work. So I find, you know, Saturdays especially are precious to me because I I have so many little things that I want to get done around the house. You know, nothing major, but um, even something as simple as just cleaning the house, cleaning the bathrooms. And that sounds so dumb, but to me, it's like... <laughs> It's like a special treat to actually have time set aside to clean my bathrooms. And some of you probably get it. I don't enjoy the cleaning, but I like to have clean bathrooms. And if it's not something that I'm getting to during the week, it does bother me. So having that on my list, having um, maybe a little more complicated dinner than I usually make, because I like to cook, but it's one of the casualties of busy family life that I don't very often experiment with recipes um, or more complicated things during the week. But on the weekends, sometimes I, I have a little more time. I might make a dessert or I might plan a dinner. That's a new recipe I wanted to try, whatever. You know, these are all things that I enjoy. And I had this list and it was full of stuff like that. Um, also some things, um, I've been doing some painting in the house, which I'm excited and thrilled about because for, you know, the cost of paint, I feel like I'm getting a whole brand new house. Um, you may have seen pictures of our house online. Dan built our house. Oh gosh, I guess it's 19 years ago, almost. Yeah. 19 years ago now. Um, and it's, it's very, it's very traditional, like new England style house. Um, in the inside walls are wood, at least in the original section of the house, it's shiplap pine. And when we first moved into the house, it was very light colored pine, but as wood ages, it darkens. And I just have found that those walls in that section of the house, which is the original section of the house, we moved into the house is just this little tiny, (laughs) little tiny box. And we all lived there. Um, we had four children when we moved in there and, um, 
so when we first moved in, it was very light colored wood, but I've been noticing more and more in recent years, gosh, these walls are really dark. It's really dark in here. It was hard to adequately light the living space. And um, I don't know, it was probably like a few months ago, Dan said, you know, we could just paint these walls white. And I love the idea, but I wasn't getting around to it. And I finally did this past week and I've been thrilled with the results, but that's one of those things that I don't have a ton of time for. And I was going to um, finish up some of that painting project on Saturday. Anyway, all of this to say, I had my precious plans and we always have our plush, precious plans, don't we? And um, so I got up on Saturday morning, I had my list and I was actually really looking forward to a day spending time on things that I chose to spend time on. Sometimes that's the biggest treat of all, isn't it? It doesn't matter what you're doing, but you're choosing to do it and it's not being imposed upon you. Well, next thing I know, I've got kids asking for rides to various places. Um, there was a bake sale for the cross country team that, um, that the kids needed to get over to and then get back from. They had to um, go out and get ingredients for baking for the baking sale before that. Um, what else? Uh, oh, somebody wanted to go to a football game and I don't want to tell them no. And, you know, uh, like I said, uh, it was just dumb things, but I found myself just continually throughout the day on Saturday, not getting to my list and feeling disrupted, feeling interrupted, right? I think we've all experienced this. This is like a, a mother's dilemma, the fact that we're constantly interrupted. And there's this great quote from C.S. Lewis that I love because it's such an important reminder and I need it so very often about interruptions. I'm going to read it here. So this is from C.S. Lewis. The great thing, if one can is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that one, what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life, the life God is sending one day by day. Ouch. I mean, I told you, I need that reminder as much as anybody needs it. And yet, you know, we hold on to our precious time and our precious plans and we get frustrated. I definitely get frustrated. I definitely got frustrated on Saturday with my time. And so that's a clear indication that I'm not trusting God with my day. I'm not trusting God to plan my day. I'm getting annoyed when I get interrupted with what C.S. Lewis reminds us is God's plan for your day. That's what the interruptions are. And I mean, let's be honest, um, most of us listening here are moms or parents. A lot of times the interruptions are your kids and their needs or your spouse and their needs. And yeah, that actually is what our work is supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be focused on. We're not supposed to be begrudging that. That is God's plan for you. So um, maybe, uh, maybe it is for you too, an issue where you're not trusting God with your time. And, you know, I was really struck on Saturday when I was struggling with this in the moment. I thought, you know, here I am, you know, I get up in the morning and I say my morning offering and I have the best of intentions, like, God, this day's for you. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty, when I get challenged, when God says, oh, really, is this day for me? Well, I'm going to take this hour here. I throw a fit. <laughs> so good wake up call for me. And um, just in case it's an issue for you too, I thought I'd mention time because that's a big one where we kind of struggle for, hold on to control. We want to keep our precious time. Okay. The next place in your life that you might be tempted to keep 
things from God you might be tempted to hold on to control is money. This is a huge one. It's so hard. We've talked before about struggling to trust in God. We've talked about how, you know, financial difficulties can leave you lying awake in the middle of the night, just worried with a stomach ache, right? I mean, there's no stress quite like financial stress. Anybody who's raising a family knows financial stress of some sort. And yet, how do you handle it? When you run into that kind of stress, how do you handle it? How do you approach your finances together as a couple or as a family? Do you, do you think of your money as belonging to God first? Do you think of everything that you earn and everything that you own as coming from God, as a privilege and a blessing from God, not something you deserve? I think too often we fall into that trap of thinking, oh, I'll feel secure with money as soon as I you know, earn this much or get this kind of job or can afford this or can buy this house or this car or whatever it is that you kind of set as a goal in your mind. And that's placing our trust in things. How many of us say we trust in God for all things and yet we really, when it comes down to it, trust in our bank accounts or trust in our jobs or trust in our husband's jobs? It's normal. It's natural. It's a human flaw, human weakness to be distracted by these things, to place our faith in material things over God. And yet what I want us to do this week is think about where in your life you might be holding on to that kind of control. And if it is money for you, good opportunity to just pray about it. You know, whatever it is that might be coming to mind, whether it's time or money or one of the other things we're going to talk about here today, that you might be tempted to keep from God that you might be tempted to not break open that alabaster jar and go all in, turn it all over to God. Um, Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to bring it to prayer. And this is something I was doing about on on Saturday when I was struggling with this. I did turn to prayer and I thought, I I said, you know what, God, this is is a weakness. This is a flaw in me. I, I want to ask you to come into this part of my life and heal me from it. And I found a lot of peace in just praying that. So whatever it is, bring it to prayer. Ask God to heal you from, to free you from that slavery, which is what it is. Whatever it is that you're tempted to put before God, it's a slavery of sorts. You only find true liberation in turning everything over to God as much as it feels like a terrible idea sometimes and the scariest thing in the world sometimes. And now this doesn't mean you you don't have to have a job and you don't have to, you know, budget wisely and that sort of thing. I mean, God gave you a brain for a reason to do these things. But ultimately, where are you placing your faith? Ultimately, is it in your bank account? Is it in your your own abilities to earn money? Maybe money isn't even a stress for you because it's not a problem because you earn plenty of money or your spouse does and it's not an issue. Is that where you're placing your trust? Are you trusting in yourself? It's something to think about. Okay, so time and money for sure, two major ones, right? Um, And this next one is huge for Catholics, I think. Um, Most people listening here are Catholic, and I've shared before about natural family planning um, on a a previous episode, but I want to talk about your fertility. This is the scariest thing I have ever trusted God with. Truly, truly the scariest thing. And living in a culture that sort of celebrates this idea that we can and should control this aspect of our lives when and how we have children and all of that, um, it's a very countercultural thing to turn your fertility over to God. And by that, I mean your openness to having children, 
Um, or if you're you're looking to uh, prevent pregnancy or space out your children um, or postpone pregnancy, that uh, trusting God's plan for that, and then and this is what I dealt with throughout most of my marriage, trusting God's plan when it doesn't go the way you wanted it to. This was my introduction to family life. You know, got married. My husband was in grad school. Our plan, our plan was that I was going to work full time for two years before we started our family. Well, God's plan was that I would get pregnant on our honeymoon. So taking that pregnancy test and um, that was hard. That was a hard thing. Sat down on the bathroom floor and I cried. How's that for a natural at turning my fertility over to God? It wasn't my plan. How many of us struggle with that when it comes to our fertility, that it's not our plan, whether it's unexpectedly pregnant or unexpectedly not pregnant or miscarriage? These things are hard things, and it's hard to turn this over to God and to trust in His will, to trust in His plan for you and your family. And of course, I've already mentioned natural family planning. That doesn't mean that we're called to just have as many babies as you possibly can. Of course, we're, we're meant to use our reason and we have access to licit means of postponing and spacing pregnancies, but they're not perfect. Go back and listen to that episode. I'll link it up in the show notes if you're at all interested, because I know this is a hot button topic for many Catholics and especially Catholic women who are, who are struggling in a very countercultural way to live out the church's teachings on sex and marriage. It's such a difficult thing to do because we're immersed in a culture that doesn't get it. We're, that's what we're living in. And yet we're doing such hard things and it can be such a scary, hard thing to turn that over to God in that way. But on the other side, our culture also tells us that you should be able to just say you want a baby and have a baby, right? Using um, IVF or whatever means necessary to make it happen. Well, our church has teachings about that too, which can be very difficult to live out if you're struggling with infertility. Very difficult. And I know from having people that I, I love and, and know very closely who've struggled with infertility, that even for me, it's hard for me to see them struggling to embrace the church's teachings when so many around them are like, well, just just go do this. Go get that baby. Could be so easy. And yet knowing that that's not part of God's plan for them and part of God's plan for their family, so hard to turn that over because we live in a culture that says we should have absolute control over our fertility, positive and negative, right? So this is a very difficult pill to swallow for some of us and a very difficult thing and a very scary thing. And, um, you know, we have eight kids, so for sure um, uh, we were often open to life inside of our marriage. Um, but then also struggling with the idea um, once we we came to terms with the fact, my husband and I both together, that it would be best to avoid future pregnancies really hard, really hard to trust and to use NFP and to have confidence in it and to grow in a level of confidence. And, you know, even knowing that I'd messed it up before, I could mess it up again. Um, very scary thing. And, and with, you know, serious consequences, especially in our case where, um, you know, I've shared before that one of our children has cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic illness, which means my husband and I are both carriers for it, which means every time we've gotten pregnant, there's been a one in four chance that that child will have cystic fibrosis, which is an incurable disease 
my son's doing well, um, but it's it's a burden. It's it's a hard thing for him. And um, so we always face that kind of scariness with regard to each pregnancy. But in addition to that, um, struggling with the the openness anyway to wanting to have a large family, um, which we firmly believed was God's plan, a very scary thing to turn over to God, to trust in what his plan was for our family. So, you know, that might be an area of your life where you are struggling and you may need to bring it to prayer. You may need to bring it to confession. You may need to seek some sort of counseling from people who've been there or from a priest. Um, But, you know, I want to encourage you to be honest with yourself about whether or not that's part of your life that you might be holding back and keeping from God. All right, this next one is related to fertility, and that's our children. How many of us treat our children like they are ours, 100% ours, our little science projects that we're going to get a grade on at the end of the semester? How many of us think of our kids like that? Or maybe not consciously, but sometimes subconsciously, the way that we are the the way that we we treat our kids and think about our kids and the plans and the goals that we set for our kids and sometimes the competitive spirit that we might feel inside of our parenting, comparing ourselves with others, comparing our kids with other kids, comparing our parenting with other parents. Our children are God's children. And this is something so hard, especially if you're worried about one of your children, whether you're worried about their faith lives. I hear from moms every day who are desperate with regard to where their children are with with regard to their faith, um, whether they're leaving the faith or questioning the faith or, you know, um, rejecting it altogether. And we can't control that. And or if you're worried about your child's health, this is a really hard one. You're worried about your child's safety worried about where God might be calling them, what what vocation they might have, what decisions they might make about who they marry or where they work or where they go to school or who they're friends with. These are all things that we struggle with wanting control of. And to some extent, it makes sense for parents to have control of their children and to make decisions for them and to be prudent in that way. But it can, it can get out of hand, especially if we don't have the proper attitude going in that our children belong to God first they're not ours. We are privileged to be allowed to cooperate with God in raising them, in teaching them, in caring for them. That's a privilege and a responsibility that we have, and yet they're not ours. They don't belong to us. And I, of course, struggle with this, as any parent would. You know, if you imagine something bad happening to one of your children or, or losing one of your children, which we know happens, that it's a real struggle. How can how can you possibly have peace with that plan? You know, um, I know I I struggled with uh, um, a dear friend of mine had a baby who was very sick, and we thought she might lose the baby. The baby was in the hospital, and I could not bring myself when I was praying for my friend and praying for this baby to pray those words in the Our Father, which are Thy will be done, because. I was afraid of what God's will might be. And not that his will would ever be that a baby died, but his permissive will might be that he would allow it to happen. And I was terrified of that idea. Couldn't bring myself to pray those words. How many of us pray those words and don't really mean them? Whether it's with regard to your children or your fertility or your money or your time, 
How many of us pray thy will be done? And we really mean as long as it's my will too. And yet that's what God's teaching us to pray. That's those are the words that Jesus taught us to pray. And that's the kind of love that he's asking for from us. He's asking us to pour ourselves out, break open that alabaster flask without holding back. So those are just a few places I wanted to mention because they're pretty common ones for people to struggle with, but that might not be where you struggle. That might not be, those things might not be an issue for you at all. They were just ones that readily came to mind, mostly because they're ones that I struggle with. Um, but it might be something different for you. But the whole point of this is I want to challenge you to think about the ways in which you might be holding back, the ways in which God might be calling you to grow closer to him by giving more, by being more open to his will which is a scary thing when we care so very much about these things. It's a scary thing to turn that over, to turn that control over. It's very human to want that control, especially when it's things like our children and our family and our, you know, our very selves and our marriages and our financial security or the things that we want to accomplish. These are very personal things that have a great deal of meaning for us and importance. So really um, difficult areas of your life to turn over. And yet, Jesus didn't come and give his whole self, didn't come to die on the cross and give his entire self inside of the Eucharist because he only wanted a little bit of you in return. And he wants all of it. He wants all of you. He wants you to be all in. That's the kind of relationship he's looking for you. That's looking for from you. That's the kind of reciprocation that he's looking for because he's all in for you, for love of you in that same way. So I want to challenge you to think about some ways in which you might be holding back, you might be tempted to hold back, and encourage you to bring those to prayer. Ask God to heal you, to free you from those kinds of enslavements that you might have in your life right now. And we all have them. I want to encourage you that I'm right there struggling with you. Um, but maybe I missed some. And uh, that would be great if you could let me know if there's something in particular that you thought of um, during this conversation here that um, you want to turn over to God. And it might be something that other people would benefit from as well. So I'd love to be able to share it on a future episode of the podcast. So you can email it to me if you have some thoughts about today's show, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can always leave me a voxer. You can always connect with me through the link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. The show notes are always, by the way, at ascensionpress.com and get all the links and um, you know information. Sometimes I have guests and I want to share details and their websites and their books and that kind of thing. So you can always go to ascensionpress.com. And speaking of Ascension, I want to thank them for partnering with me to bring you this podcast every week. And while you're over there getting your show notes for the Girlfriends Podcast at ascensionpress.com, look around a little bit. Click on the media tab and see what other podcasts there are or what video content there is or what blog content there is. It's really a beautiful website that they've been working on over there. It's growing into something really unique and special inside of the Catholic media web, I guess you'd call it, um, online experience for Catholics. It's just a beautiful website with such a wealth of resources. You've got podcasts, you've got video content, you've got blog content. But in addition to that, you can always find other resources available from Ascension that are exclusively available from Ascension. Um, other kinds of resources that will be for you, for your parish, group studies, things like Mom Nipotent that 
we've talked about here before on the show, Momnipotent is a study for Catholic moms that I put together uh, a few years ago. I think it's, I cannot believe it, but I think it's almost five years old now, Um, but still very relevant because it's, um, I've got a book and then a group study that you can do at your parish, but there are lots of other resources and studies like that. So you can check out all that information at ascensionpress.com. I also want to mention that newly available from Ascension is my book, which is You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth. I shared a little bit of the content on last week's show, and I'm planning to share some more of the content on next week's show. So you're going to want to continue to listen here to get the latest information. But the book is available for pre-order. You can get the link for that in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. I'm also going to put that up um, on my website if you want to click over to daniellebean.com. If you follow me on social media, I promise I'm going to be obnoxious about sharing this link so you won't miss it, okay? (laughs) Just go to uh, facebook.com slash daniellebean or check me out on Instagram or on Twitter. You can get all that information about how to pre-order my newest book, which is going to be available from Ascension. So it is a pre-order, but it's going to be shipping next month. So very exciting. It's going to be shipping mid-October. October. Again, the title is You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth. I mentioned You're Worth It at the beginning of this show, and that was my book where I really focused on women in the New Testament and what we can learn about God's unique love for women based on Jesus's real-life interactions with women in the gospel stories. But this book, You Are Enough, is focused on women in the Old Testament. And let me tell you, it was a really educational experience for me to write this book, to research this book, to spend time in prayer, and to really consider the stories of these women and the ways in which they apply to our lives today. So I can't wait to share that content with you. Again, I'll be sharing some of it here on the podcast. Cannot wait to share this book with you. Thank you for all the ways you share and for the feedback you offer. But most of all, thanks for just being here. Thanks for listening to what I share and for being a valuable member of the community of Girlfriends listeners. I am so grateful that you are here with us. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.